Mark's right. For those wedded to the machines in their bedrooms, their studios, their best friend's garage or basement. For those who negotiate with the system every day to make time for the music that matters. For those who get in debt to fund the fight against the mundane. For those who stay true to their cause even in the face of income and fame through compromise. For those who feel the power of every beat. For those who keep their minds open. For those who encourage and support those pursuing their personal dream. For those who sacrifice relationships to make sure the music is heard. For those for which the music is a lifetime, not a pastime. This is Bass Agenda. 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 and you're listening to Bass Agenda. Hi, how you doing? Welcome to Bass Agenda. Another packed show for you. Two hours of great music. Part one, dominated by a great guy. Long-term collaborator with Depeche Mode. This is Kurt Unala, born in Switzerland, based in New York. Got a new album coming out under Null and Void around about October this year. We're getting a nice early listen to a couple of tracks from that, including this one we're sitting on top of right now. The track is called Asphalt Kiss. Thank you. 
two of the show. We welcome back Andrew Anonimo from Spain. Third mix he's done for Bass Agenda since the show started. Always pulls out some great, great stuff. So in part one, you're going to hear from Kurt Unala all the way through. Going to be telling his story. Got some great tracks. Any second now, Kurt's going to tell us a bit about what it was like working on a much more minimal style of music. Enjoy the show. not easy to make that's why i have a lot of respect for this you know for that artist in that genre and, and the stuff that you put out it's not easy to make it work with you know limited instrumentation and such a amazing amount of low end to make it still work and listenable and clear and yeah it's not easy a lot of tweaking and then trying to get the thing mastered without distorting it of course is <laughs> another thing yeah it was supposed to be out in, yeah, spring. We had to delay the, um, so, uh, October, which is, of course, time to tweak it some more. <laughs> Definitely tweaking too much. I can't stop. It's, oh, and that's why, you know, a lot of the stuff, it's, it, you know, the, it's unreleased and it's such a blessing to have a label who, you know, such as yourself, that to just... Uh, for somebody who, who works alone, to have a label to say, no, 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 it sounds great, trust me, it sounds good, leave it. That is so valuable. Because if you're alone, you're always questioning, is it really, yeah, maybe I'm crazy, maybe it's not that good, maybe it's boring, or, you know, to have someone to say, no, 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 I like it, leave it. Yeah, Asphalt Kiss, uh, I, you know, it, it was basically noodling around on that... Um, a dot-com modular synth, which is uh, very meaty sounding, very aggressive, has a lot of weight. And just playing around with that and trying to make a... I made the bass line first and then creating a, a drum pattern with it that complements it and doesn't... I, I often like programming so things don't hit at the same time because uh, I just like it. It's, <laughs> it's cool if it's like a little puzzle pieces, you know, they all, you know, shift into each other. So after doing that, and you know, I wanted to make sure that low end really kicks and, and, and has a lot of meat and I don't lose that in mixing and mastering. And that was a challenge that was, yeah, it took many tries, even going back and forth with the mastering. And But now I'm, I'm very happy how it turned out. and. I think it's a good mix of like angular, mean programming, but still it has parts of it which are still gentle and melancholy. But I think, yeah, I really like the track. But yeah, I, I always do, a, I call it a hobby master. <laughs> and I try, you know, I try every freaking plugin and some analog stuff and I try to get it so it's good for me, but then I send it out to someone. Some, sometimes even to someone else after that first person maybe doesn't really have the same aesthetic but now I found someone in Germany Jan Driver that he shares um, 
shares the same aesthetics in, in sound as me. So I'm, yeah, and then when I get it back from him, he did the whole album song after song. When I get it back from him, normally my hobby master sounds like dull and, and boring in comparison. So I'm always like, good, I can put my silly ego aside and just hand it over. And a fresh pair of ears is magical, yeah. I, so I'm always handing it out now. The hobby master is just for me to get better at it and learn more, but it's great to send it out. Yeah, if you, yeah. It's a financial decision, of course, too. Because if you think of the different formats, like mastering for vinyl, and okay, we have to make some sacrifices, and even track listing, you know, you forget where to put it on a vinyl, where, what track where, because vinyl sound different in the center than on the edge, so, yeah. yeah. Another track from Kurt's new album coming up here, a track called Paragon. on the small modular and I have a, like an analog sequence and just start noodling around on that sequence and then I uh, patched in I have, a, I have a EMS synth which is a really really charming English synth really charming uh, kind of wonky sound and like the pitch is maybe that's what you're hearing is a little bit drifty put a spring reverb filter it a bit and then suddenly I moved over and started playing a bass line under it and then it started to take shape really quickly, it was great.
This is Dede Kadava from the Neon Judgment and Neon Electronics. You're listening to Base Agenda. instrumentalist when I lived in Switzerland some synth stuff but I played bass in bands and then I came to America uh, studied music and because I didn't have much money you know you start recording yourself and you learn as you go and I had one synthesizer a, a Juno 60 that I got in exchange for working on a project so from then on in like 2001 I started recording more seriously I got Pro Tools and the one synthesizer Juno 60 I did everything on that and in New York at the time it was the, the scene was you know the whole electro clash thing was happening especially on my street I, I lived on Grand Street where there was a club that was the club to go to called Lux um <laughs> yeah and so I was in that early 2000s in New York there was you know, Felix the House Cat and Miss Kitten came out and Lady Tron uh, and you know yeah all that stuff so I started doing that and there was a compilation that I really loved on Ghostly it was one of the first Ghostly releases Ghostly International the American label and there was a guy on there called John Selway he was also in New York yeah and somehow again that's the beauty of living in New York you bump into people somehow I went to this record shop called Throb and I was just shopping for, for records but I had a little CDR with me of my things that nobody heard yet uh, and the guy who worked there was the roommate of John Selway and you know we were talking and you know, I didn't know he was the roommate of John Selway he's like so what do you do you know the shop was empty it's like oh, I make my own stuff I have a little Juno and Oh, can I hear it? It's like, yeah, 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 here. I have it with me. He went home, played it to John Selway. He liked it. So he released uh, a little 12-inch of my first song in like the early 2000s. And then from then on, I just stuck to it. Uh, but, you know, I had no money in New York. So I uh, weaseled my way into a, a job as an audio engineer in a live venue, in a club. It was a, a Yeah, so I was an audio engineer there for like a year then bumped into a producer and you know he got me jobs working on actual albums and then just thankfully I could keep it going and always do my own things on the side but sometimes I was too busy to you know properly fully do it but yeah I stayed on it and Null and Void Null and Void now it's just um, you know finally I've 
I had time to finish up songs and really polish them and get them mastered, find the right label. And yeah, and now that the Pesh is done, they're on tour, now I can focus on my own stuff. And on the album, Kurtz also worked with a couple of vocalists, including Shannon Funchess. I mean, I always loved her band Light Asylum. Um, a big fan. Uh, when you know when they were around in New York, and now she's moved uh, to Portland. But uh, yeah, I was a big fan. And then I saw her by accident play with the Knife at Iceland, uh, the Reykjavik, the Airwaves Festival. And she played, and after the show, she was DJing in a little club um, downtown. And I asked my friends to go with me. And we went there to see her DJ, and she <laughs> it was funny. She was standing there in the DJ booth. She just walked in after the Knife show. And it was their last ever Knife performance before they're going to break up. So it was a big night for the music world. And she did yeah. the after party slash DJ set. She stood in the DJ booth lost because you know they just let her in there and then she realized she doesn't have the eight inch to quarter inch adapter because her headphones were the small eight inch so she stood there lost and lucky her i was in the audience i'm, I'm the audio nerd who actually dj'd the night before and i had i always have these adapters with me because i always lose them so i had one in my pocket from the night before so i handed it to her you know, like half a year later or so, we, we have, you know, we did a little small talk, but that's it. I wrote this song and I felt she would really be perfect for the song. So I wrote to her and said, hey, you remember me? I gave you that adapter in Iceland. <laughs> and she did. And I sent her. The, yeah, it was lucky. And uh, yeah, she sang on the track and it was very raw, very, very intense, as uh, she always is, of course. Vocally, very dark.
I met Dave Gahan uh, through a producer, Brian Sperber, who took me under his wing. Uh, the producer was asked to do demos with Dave for an upcoming Depeche album, Sounds of the Universe. Uh, but where he was at at his career, he would not do demos. So we met up and we really got along and three Depeche albums, some live performances, his solo album, and now my album. And we're still working together, still friends. Yeah, it's great. agenda. Dave has a, 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 a studio space in New York and he used to come, I used to rent the studio space with a friend uh, and he used to come by to work on songs 
I mean, first I would go to his studio because he used to have another studio downtown, but he, he didn't have any more. So when we started writing songs together, he would come to my studio, but we often had um, conflicts in booking because my friend actually tried to run it as a commercial studio space. So there was clients that would stay late and me and Dave would have to wait in a coffee shop until they would leave so after like 10 times of sitting in the coffee shop for an hour waiting to start writing the songs he said oh I think we need our own space so he got a studio space in New York and the great thing is for me I can put my synths somewhere so you know so we, we see each other whenever there's new songs to be recorded vocals or ideas He's, you know, I'm, I'm with him anyway. So I'm there from the very beginning of the inception of an album. And then, you know, so I often write the songs with him or at least, you know, even if he does his solo stuff, Soul Savers, I'm the one recording him and stuff. But, uh, you know, with the Depeche, it's, you never know where the songs are going to end up, if they're going to be on the album or if they're going to be you know left off the album that's all to to be decided once the whole band is in the studio with the producer and you know they often you know Daniel Miller is often you know he's involved still they still trust you know his his vision and and then in the studio you know on, on this one I was programming out because uh, you know with the synths and stuff running the sequences programming stuff and you know we all pitch in and Whatever sounds best ends up on the album. Um, yeah, Broken was my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that song. It's, and I think, yeah, it's dear to Dave too. And that, especially the the live version, is there's a live in-studio video that, uh, that Depeche did. And I was, you know, musical director for that one too, so I rearranged it a bit. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I could make it uh, I, I wanted to slow it down from the album version the album version is great of course Ben Hillier the producer made really good decisions on that song but I felt for the in-studio live performance I wanted to slow it down a bit more make it a little more sad and I think it came out really good and I put in some melodic phrases in between to make it yeah even more sad the sadder the better with that song I feel yeah that was written for a Delta machine uh, we wrote it like in the year before we went in the studio it's always with the passage the cyclist tour brutal marathon one and a half year tour and then they need time to recover and find themselves again and reconnect and then normally uh, you know they meet up again and pitch new songs decide what goes on the album and then they go in the studio so it always is so that was written after uh, the tour before Delta Machine. If you want control without any pain, how long will you suffer?
Reminder that the show will be up for download over the weekend from soundcloud.com slash bassagenda. Also on iTunes as well, complete with the full track list. Coming up next, Kurt tells us about working with the kills. That was uh, was a really uh, cool session um, with them in New York. Yeah, she's so good. So, uh, yeah, slightly unhinged and yeah, I love I love I love her vocal and she's really nice and but uh, yeah it was cool they had the album maybe three quarters done they just wanted to have some a little bit more I think more instrumentation more real synths on it and stuff a friend of mine the mixing engineer is up has a room uh, upstairs from my friend's mixing room and they asked him if he could maybe you know tweak the tracks a bit polish them and then since we worked on other albums together he asked me uh, to come in with some of my synths and this track especially I'm very happy with I just came in with a mini Moog 
you know, my old wobbly 70s mini moog, uh, which pl- kind of plays like a, a cool rhythmic synth bass line over what they had already, and I think it turned out really good. It's from their, their latest album. Yeah. My dad is Turkish and we were in a little Swiss village. There was not man, actually no no other Turkish people at the beginning. And I don't know, it was me and an Italian guy, Angelo. We were best friends and we immediately got, as far as I remember, we're always very, very into music. And then he got a little home organ from his mom, a little farfisa or something. 
no bon, oh, bon tempi, some cheap little Italian thing. And I played cello, and from then on, it was just all music. Always, always, always. Yeah, one, you know, one of the songs I sent you was um, the Sakamoto track, because yeah, my brother was into films, he's a little older, and he played uh, Furio, I think it was called, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, played the movie, and the music was just mind-blowing. So that was an early influence. And then, of course, you know, the E.T. and Star Wars, the John Williams scores, very influential. And then electronic music. Simple. That melody is like childish, you know. Super naive, very pure, and, and and not brainy and clever at all. But but still not. It's not shallow. It's little details. The way the bass moves and it's very good.
also have to give, of course, credit to my brother. He was a big OMD fan, orchestral maneuvers in the dark. He was very, very militant about his records and hi-fi systems. So I was not allowed to listen to the albums because he would think I would not handle them properly. So he would always, I have a little, I have a little ghetto blaster with a cassette and he would tape it for me and give me the cassette. <laughs> That's how close I could get, yeah. I remember listening to it on the, uh, for the first time uh, to my brother on the cassette and I remember thinking it's so abstract and weird, it's just noises and talking but somehow it really touched me i remember thinking like what trying to get you know trying to analyze it why what it is and uh years later i realized i'm really a, a sucker for like a, a motif going like a like a what is it called ostinato like a motif that constantly repeats and then the underlying baseline changing and giving it a completely new meaning and that's, I think with that song, that's probably what drew me in because it's one, two, three, one, two, three. And then the bass line under it makes the actual song. You know, it's really simple, almost primitive. A person counting one, two, three, and then the bass suddenly makes it into music and the bass comes in. It's great. A, B, C, A, B, C, one, two, three. A, B, C, one, two, three. I don't go back much at all no I it, yeah I have so many fun things around me uh, that I just start noodling around and things happen you know you hope you're original but I think it's hard you know it's hard to judge yourself that's for other people to decide I guess just a lot of my inspiration comes from fiddling around with the gear not so much listening to other bands I do listen to like DJ mixes or you know the the bass agenda stuff but 
Um, and right, no, I listen to records, I guess, but I, I don't really put them on in the studio, listen to it, analyze it, and try. Oh, I'm gonna try that. Something I don't really do that. I mean, what always gets switched on first, first and foremost, which might be, uh, you know, no, no, it's not unusual, but it's it's not an analog piece of gear. It's machine, a native instruments machine. Yeah, I do all of my work now in machine. I actually, I used to be Ableton, uh, but I feel I, 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 I get too deep into tweaking immediately with Ableton. And with Machine, uh, I stay uh, more hands-on because Machine Studio has two screens built in, so I don't look at the computer screen as much. And that's always, always now what I start with especially for drums and then uh, the other thing I really love is uh, a drum machine called Sonic Potions LXR uh, that I always use it's like a, it's like, you know it's not a normal it's actually yeah a drum synthesizer it has no it's not really a sam- you know a lot of drum machines are just samplers more or less that have the samples built in but this is actually a drum a digital drum synthesizer that sounds really good and we actually use it on the patch. We used it on the Heroes version, and it's on, on some spots on the album. The on the deluxe the patch album has some remixes on, it and you hear it on that one too. That's one thing I always switch on. It's a little company in Germany, Sonic Potions. I love love that drum machine. And then definitely, definitely uh, the Oberheim OB8. If you yeah, if you do hear my album. If you ever heard an OB8, you'll you'll hear it all over. I shouldn't even talk about it. It's a secret weapon, more or less, because um, it's yeah, it's has such a melancholy tone. It's I don't know what it is. It's melancholy tone. Uh, I don't know, but not there's something about it. You can also the what makes it really inspiring is you can decide where to place. The, sound, the oscillators, which is a sound source in a synth, you can decide where to place it in the stereo field. So it has these little uh, little p- potentiometers that you can pan each oscillator to a different spot. So especially on headphones, if you play a little you know, music box like sequence, <laughs> which we love, this thing is like dancing around your head and you have control over where these notes will sit. So the first song on the album, the last song on the album, the first and the last are almost exclusively OB8. It's very beautiful sounding. Yeah, not sharp or aggressive. It's very, very round and, and gentle. And then for more, yeah, for more fuzzy, unstable tones, the EMS synth is really good or the Prophet 5, the Pro 5 is very good. I use that a lot too. I design the right. I create your scholarly shape to innovate. Design the right. Unity 
variety. I design. I create. Use color and shape to innovate. I design. I create. Combine art and technique to facilitate. The, the vocal and the talking robot voice is very crisp and, and, and I like, yeah, it's cold but still has heart. That's something I really adore. Heartbeat and heart bo- robotic voice, but there's this warm, lovely synths that are synthesized there. Are, yeah, very, very gentle and yeah, I like it. up for you we heard uh, a couple of influences there chosen by Kurt Yanala first was Raichi Sakamoto 
Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Gorgeous tune, that one. And then following that, we had OMD with ABC Auto Industry. And before that, we had two Depeche Mode songs that Kurt was heavily involved with. Two amazing tracks, No More and then Broken. And now we're just slipping into some tracks that Kurt's chosen that have blown him away recently. Last one there was Metroland Design. It's the Jean-Marc Lederman remix. And now we're sitting on something deep. Amazing kick drum on this one too. Andrew Claristridge with Automated Motion. I don't know him, but I'm, I'm keeping an eye on him. It's really good. And he was in Acid Washed, which I really liked. I think, was that him? Is that the same guy? It's just very, uh, has like a soundtracky grand feel and sonically it's very, it's, it's good engineered and, and, and has car changes, which again, yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for car changes and, and, and you know, trying to not just, I know, I mean, a lot of electronic music can be one note with a filter on the freaking oscillator and really good programming and good, you know, good engineering, good, good frequencies. And, but I, I still, for me, I like it when it's paired with good composition and good car changes and melodies. And I think this track has it all. It's very touching, very beautiful.
Escape One. These are the lost signals of the base agenda. here from Kurt Yanala, aka Null and Void. This is a track uh, by Gazek. It's called Curved Engines Part 4, the Plaid Remix. Beautiful stuff. beautiful like very lyrical production and I love I love uh, working with delays of course to make atmosphere and it's these bell sounds paired with the delay it makes such a dreamy otherworldly like 
droplets of sound. It's yeah, very, very lovely. Very music boxy, which is, you know, the the originate the original sequencer. Of course, it's the music box, you could say. So makes sense if you work on a maybe I don't know if they work on analog sequencers, but it's you know it's like the grid of a of a music box where you put the little dots that will that will pluck the metal. I don't know the English word. Those little metal tongues. Yeah, it's very music boxy, and you know their their warp releases. I mean, yeah, very beautiful. I've been a big fan since the 2000s. Keep electro on your agenda at facebook.com/slash/bassagenda. track choice coming up before we get into the guest mix from Andrew Anonimo and that is Dimitri Distant Luxure Commuter Remix Original, I mean, his original stuff. I'm a, a big fan of. He's great programmer, uh, good sounds, really, really, yeah, really good engineering on that one too. But, um, um, but yeah, I feel he has very, he has a very cold aesthetic, very uh, kind of relentless. Not, yeah, in his programming, it's quite busy. But uh, you know, that's the art to make. If you make it that busy, it still works, so it's not getting annoying, and he totally has it down. It's not easy. It's really good. And of course, the the commuter remix, commuter is monster. Anyway, I love his. He's, I think, a really well. Um, you know, he can really sculpt sound well. Great kicks, always good drum sounds, and in in his remix here too, it really came out good. Thanks out to Kurt for taking part in the show. Really enjoyed getting to know him and his music over the last few weeks. Be sure to check out the album when it drops around October. It's out on uh, HFN Music from Germany. That's uh, soundcloud.com slash HFN music. The album's called Cryosleep. Based on what we've heard so far, I think it's going to be a stormer. Stay tuned for the guest mix.
rehearsing. I'm trying to decide what to bring. Uh, I'm looking at airline um, restrictions and <laughs> luggage. <laughs> and trying to, because, yeah, I love hardware, of course, and have a big uh, .com modular, which is like a large format modular synth, which, which is a lot of uh, asphalt kiss, is that bass sound. So I'd love to be able to bring that out to play shows and I, I will make it happen I just have to choose which modules to take out and put in a road case but yeah I'm working on a live set definitely I'm, the big uh, motivation to do this stuff is of course to get free travel you know and see the world <laughs> no no of course not of course not no no
This is Kretz. You're listening to Bass Agenda. Thank you. 
Digital and you rocking with the base agenda. I'm gonna go get 
is a message from Detroit. This is Adult. And you are listening to Face Agenda.
great mix there from Andrew Anonimo. Thanks to him, third time he's appeared on the show. Third time he's opened my ears up to some new sounds. Hope the same goes for you guys too. Thanks for listening. Thanks once again to Kurt Yunala for taking part in the show. Wish him well with the album when it comes out. I'm back next month. Interviewing selections from a superb electro artist, Boris Bunnick, aka Conforce, Versalife, Silent Harbour, and a few other aliases in between. This show will be up for download over the weekend from soundcloud.com slash bassagenda, also via the iTunes podcast feed as well. Have yourselves a great weekend. Cheers.